With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi there, everyone. I'm Fox News Rupraj on the February 8th edition of Let It Rip. Uh, the mother of the Oxford shooter is charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter. So what does this mean for parents moving forward? Two attorneys with two very differing viewpoints. Plus, the Wall Street Journal publishing an op-ed calling Dearborn, Michigan, the capital of jihad in America. Many people not happy about that. An Arab-American lawmaker and a rabbi talk about that and the ongoing conflict in the Middle East. And with that, let's let it rip. Time now to let it rip with Democratic State Representative Abraham Ayash, who represents the Hamtramck area, and Rabbi Asher Lopatin, the Jewish Community Relations Council, AJC's Executive Director. Fox 2 anchor and attorney Charlie Langton with us as well. We thank you all for joining us here tonight. Uh, look, this is an important one. Uh, the Wall Street Journal comes out with this piece written by Steve Stalinsky. He's the Executive Director of the Middle East Research Institute. That's a Washington-based think tank, but what we know about this think tank, it's founded by Israel analysts. And this guy has been no stranger to talking about uh, Arab Americans in this way. Um, but one thing that he said is he called Dearborn the jihad capital of America. When you first heard that, Representative, what went through your mind? Uh, you know, it, it was unsurprising, unfortunately, but uh, it further perpetuates that dehumanization and that alienation of the Arab and Muslim community here in the U.S. So this idea that somehow we are less American or that our loyalty to this country should be questioned is just despicable. Uh, and it's unsurprising, but uh, I, I guarantee you Steve probably has never stepped foot in Dearborn and doesn't really engage much with Arab Americans. If someone was to watch the news from New York or Washington and they saw the sights and sounds coming from Dearborn, they would hear a lot of protests that were talking about the genocide of Palestinians. They would hear a lot about why Hamas was doing what they were doing, and they would hear from the river to the sea, free Palestine. Those words are inciting to many people. Can you see how someone could think that perhaps um, it was a different conversation happening in Dearborn than in many other places? Well, I think it's important to, to recognize people all across Michigan have been protesting and pushing back against this idea that the United States should not be funding any effort that is bombing and killing innocent men, women, and children. That is not a radical idea. Uh, that is a very baseline, I think, concept that I would hope everyone here uh, would, would agree with, because this notion that it is okay watching 124 days, 30,000, nearly 30,000 Palestinians have been murdered, 183 hostages still held captive by Hamas, and 6,000 prisoners in, in Israel right now that are unlawfully detained who are Palestinian. These are the things people are protesting. We are demanding that it is not a radical idea to say, hey, we don't want to bomb our way to peace because we cannot get there. So when people are out there protesting and pushing back, they're simply saying that we do not want to be a country that is aiding and abetting an operation that is killing so many innocent people every single day. And I, I think about sure. stories like, like Reem. You know, the young girl, yes. Khalid, held her up. 
and he called her the soul of his soul. All right. she all she wanted was a tangerine, and he couldn't find one during the war. And when he finally found the fruit that she wanted, she was no longer alive, and he held her up soulless. These are the stories that I think people and are, are 20, pushing back. Twenty-seven thousand such stories of Palestinian lives thus far that have been lost in this. Mostly women and minors have been killed in Gaza since the war started uh, against Israel on October seventh. Um, Look, we're talking about 1,200 people uh, that have been, uh, Hamas has killed more than 1,200 people and kidnapped about 250 when it comes to the Israeli. The which numbers, is just as abhorrent. Which is just as abhorrent, and you, you say that. And so, Rabbi, I ask you the same question. Is it as abhorrent to see that 27,000 innocent people have been killed in the name of this war between these two groups? We care, I think everyone, I don't speak for the Jewish community, cares about every single individual killed, and, and it, it hurts us that this war against Hamas requires that. Now, Israel is not targeting civilians. There are many, many that have lost their lives, around 10,000 or so Hamas terrorists have been killed in this, and so, but any person is terrible, and these numbers are terrible and painful. This is a necessary war. But Rabbi, how is the, how are they I, not I, targeting, I, how are they not targeting civilians when we have the numbers, 27,000 Palestinians killed, and in the course of this war, 1,200 people in Israel, no, the well, numbers seem stark. It no, seems no, as though Hamas, Hamas on October 7th targeted innocent civilians. Here, wars, and if you look at wars since World War II, the ratio, and it's very difficult to talk about this, but the ratio is far lower. In other words, normally more civilians die. You know, if you look at other wars in I'll Yemen, the, no, no, let, me, let me just finish. Uh, well, you mentioned Yemen, yeah. and my family's from Yemen, Yeah, right? so 400,000 people have been killed by the Houthis fighting against the Yemenis government. If you look at Syria, some estimates say 2 million people. But here, Israel is fighting a battle of for its survival, because Hamas, if they are around, will come back and survival. kill more people. And, and I would so actually not. argue that for Palestinians themselves, they need to be freed from Hamas terrorism. You know, so I think I think I, I think there was language that was used that I actually think highlights the continued dehumanization of, of Palestinian people. But isn't the this notion that that it was necessary? This is a necessary operation. Absolutely. The president of the United States today, just tonight, said it himself that. What happened and what is happening in the Gaza Strip is gone overboard. So I think anyone that can justify the innocent kill the killing of innocent men, women, and children, I think is is disturbing. And I, I would hope I would hope, Rabbi, that you could stand with me and unequivocally say that there is not a single innocent man, woman, and child in Palestine that is worthy of death, irrespective of what you think Hamas is or is not. I actually agree with you on that. But so war that we is cannot, war. This is a difficult so war. We have and innocent people die in but, war. But can Israel come out and say we need a ceasefire and, and negotiate the differences uh, diplomatically we as opposed to bombing? A pause Especially in the fighting now. to rescue the hostages, the free the hostages, okay. and we need a, a pause in order to free the hostages. That Israel has been talking about that, but not a permanent ceasefire because Hamas is still there, and it's tragic. It, it take, is very take, sad. What will it take for a permanent ceasefire? For Hamas to so lay down their arms, to leave, Ruth. and for the hostages to be released. We are, we are 124 days into this 
genocidal campaign against Gaza. I think the question one should ask is, are we closer to peace? Are we closer to releasing the rest of those hostages today than we were when there were 10,000 deaths? when the, toll, the, the death toll is 10,000 or when it was 20,000. We are now crossing 30,000 and we are not closer no, I think that's to a that great at any point. So I think this notion that anyone that does not realize, in fact, the one time that we had a, a, that, that ceasefire, that temporary ceasefire, yeah. we saw Palestinian children and Israeli families and in, in a way, they're at peace. And, and let's be very clear. We saw the, medicine coming. We saw the, food coming. Not for the, the leader. The not leader. For the, 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 the leader. The leader of. Israel right now, Benjamin Netanyahu is a far-right fascist who has made it very clear, him and his administration, in the same way the Wall Street Journal article dehumanized the Arabs by suggesting that we're somehow uh, suspicious or we can't be trusted, you know, saying things that not a single calorie should be sent into Gaza, that they're not deserving of water, that we need to treat them like animals as they are. This is the type of language that top elected officials and appointed officials in the Israeli administration is pushing. So how can one see that and hear that sure. and hear Netanyahu say that he has no interest in finding a long-term peace deal in this moment wanna, in Palestinian statehood. This, but this is important, though. How can we believe that they are serious about protecting the children of, of Gaza, many who have been murdered, and those that have lived? I mean, we always talk about the those that die, but I think what we oftentimes overlook those are murdered. those that live after the pain. There are people who have lost families. Eighty-five percent of civilian infrastructure. Eighty-five percent of civilian infrastructure. I got to ask you a question about the article. Sure. Because this particular person, who's not a journalist, by the way, he's a think tank columnist, Steve Silinski. He's a uh, bigot. Said I don't agree said, with that at all. Well, that, said that said that, that, and that title the, was not pro his, Hamas by the way. rallies. I mean, he wrote the op-ed. He wrote the op-ed. It's not the article. You actually read the article. Representative, I want to address this. Absolutely. He talked about the pro Hamas rallies that are taking place in Dearborn, and he basically called them out, saying you should not ever be pro Hamas. Hamas is a terrorist group that should not be shouldn't be pro Hamas. Do you agree with him in that on that regard? We shouldn't be pro Hamas anywhere, whether it be Dearborn so, or Washington. So we we haven't seen any of these pro Hamas rallies. There must be another Dearborn that that he's thinking of because when people are going out and protesting, they are demanding a ceasefire. A ceasefire means that we are putting weapons down on both sides and that we're releasing the hostages, we're letting the prisoners go that are unlawfully detained with no due trial, and we are saying that people should not be bombed and murdered. Eighty-five percent of civilian infrastructure has been decimated in the Gaza Strip. So and the question I, that I would have is, are we really going to believe that 85 percent of Gaza's infrastructure are all Hamas hotbeds. It's just un yes, it's so tragic. So, so, so I Rabbi, a couple of things. I, I want to get you a couple of points. Yeah. Go ahead. So, so, so first of all, I got to get, get a couple of points. Sure, first of absolutely. all, what I have seen and what uh, generals in America have seen is there has been great progress in defeating Hamas in this war. So there has been tremendous progress. In fact, three quarters of the battalions have been wiped out. So there is progress. To say that there's no war, it's just like with the surge. People d doubted it, but the surge in Iraq was successful until they ended it. The other thing that I would say is that, yes, the, Israel is calling also for a pause in the fighting. And people say ceasefire. Yes, ceasefire, release the hostages, temporary ceasefire, let's get more humanitarian aid in. Maybe we should bring, within ceasefire, we should bring foreign forces should come in, not UNRWA, which is giving it all to Hamas, but other forces should. So we agree. But I definitely, I want to to agree with the representative
uh, who I respect term that we should not dehumanize anybody. Do you think Zelensky had any truth to his article? Oh, there's a lot of truth there, but the, well, first of all, the Imam Salcha that he quotes a lot was here, and I think people who go back to your show there will see. He is he is, has a mosque, and he speaks in a very uh, a violent way, I would say, and even when he was on the see, show, you're, you're not saying he's for jihad. This is the type of trope yes. that is problematic, right? The suggestion that somehow because someone who has family and has links to a region where 30,000 people have been murdered, most of them innocent, all of most of them children that are innocent for the record. And to suggest that having passion is aggressive, this trope that, that Arab men are somehow inherently more violent you and, and the show. aggressive Repres is disrespectful. And actually, Ayash, to, perpetuate that that, to, to perpetuate that, knowing the communities in Dearborn is harmful. I've been, and I'll okay, say this, I'll, I have to wrap this dangerous up dialogue, I'll say this final point, dangerous dialogue quickly, can lead to deadly deeds, right? We saw what de the six-year-old boy stabbed sure. 26 times by his landlord. I got to tell you something. You've been nothing but a gentleman and a scholar, and we thank you for being with us here today. Rabbi, the same can be said for you. We thank you for having a civil discussion on a very difficult topic. So important. Thank and you for joining uh, us here today. I look today. forward to being in Dearborn. And, and I look forward to having a coffee there. We can continue and this conversation. Fire fire the Charlie and I are on the back <laughs> on the other side of the break. Right after the break, it's a history-making guilty verdict against the Oxford school shooter's mother. But many parents are asking what this means for them moving forward. Our panel of legal experts on all sides of the debate Weighing in next. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back now, I'll let it rip, debating the fallout from this week's landmark guilty verdict against the Oxford school shooter's mom. Some will say there was no fallout at all. It's exactly as it should have been. Others say, wait a minute here. Joined now by an all-legal panel, rock stars in this town, Ven Johnson, who represents several of the Oxford school shooting victims, uh, family members, attorney and conservative advocate Terry Johnson, and our own Fox 2 anchor and attorney Charlie Langton, uh, and who's been covering this from the beginning here. Um, I want to begin with you, Charlie. We usually begin with our esteemed guests. They're wonderful. We want to hear from them, but I want to hear from you. Uh, first time in American history a parent has been charged because their child killed somebody, and in this case, four people. Um, did they get it right? Yeah, I think the jury did get it right. There was enough there to convict. There was enough there to acquit. I think it's a lot of lawyering. I think it's a lot of factors. But listen, four people died unnecessarily. And the most minimal things the mother could have done to have prevented these deaths. And I think that the jury saw through that. I think Karen McDonald presented a very good case in her team. And uh, so, yeah, certainly there was enough evidence to convict. No question about it. All right, we have to separate a couple things here because we're talking about, obviously, the case in which we have this mounting evidence that the jury decided on uh, their decision. But there's also kids right now, Ben Johnson, who are on their phones in rooms across Metro Detroit uh, here on this Thursday night. Their mom and dad do not know who they're talking to, what they're planning, what they're writing, who they're texting. And they assume that they're just good kids. The next day, a kid wakes up, does something awful. Those parents should be responsible. 
Your thoughts? The answer is not necessarily, and that's not what this trial was about at all. That is how it's been skewed in part, sorry guys, by the media, but also by legal pundits like my cousin. <laughs> Why would you say that? Because we keep talking about it. it's the first time that, that it, a parent's been charged because the child you shut up the school. No, that's not why they were charged. They were charged because they played a major role in their child shooting up the school. It's different. One thing would be exactly the hypothetical route that you just asked me. Kid wakes up tomorrow and shoots up the school and these people had no idea, they didn't buy him a gun and they weren't at the horse barn or playing the horses or doing sure. whatever while their kid is at home thinking and hallucinating and having delusions. That's what this case was about. One thing, if the kid wakes up tomorrow, doesn't tell anybody and they have no notice, and then they shoot up the school. But, there, but this no. does set precedence. I mean, Ben, you know it doesn't. What facts Why doesn't it set, set precedence? Pre facts set precedence, Charlie Langton. Facts <laughs> set precedence. Stop trying to make it into something that it wasn't so that These we get These cops well, had this case set in three days. They got, right. a, they got an arrest warrant in three days. Now listen, and the mom exactly. did have access to the, she knew about the gun. And? She took the kid to the gun. This? Mom did things to Right. I agree with you, but I do think what I do, listen, here's what I think about this. It's not so much the charges. I think now when there's going to be a minor that does something real bad, I think the cops are now going to look to the parents. I, I think would we're hope so. Well, well, that's what this case is about. I would hope that's so. what this case is look about. At, look so, at the, the parents will be Let's get Terry in here. Then you just said I would hope so, and that is exactly precisely what we've no, been saying. Rupa said look at the, at the parents. I would hope so. It's part of the what do you do when you look at the parents in any case that's similar to this what do you do well th that's the problem again number one and let's just go to the fundamentals of this right we've taken God out and put the other G in government we can't raise our kids now because at every turn the oh, government dear. has something to come in and say you can't do this you've got the school system saying you can't do that kids now all of a sudden when I was growing up I had no privacy now kids must get privacy but the bigger problem we have is Think about this, Vin. If this were Pontiac and some kid was in a gang, right? right? And this kid goes out and shoots someone up, is the parent responsible? And let's and let me just say this: Did the this, parent buy him a gun? And that's, and that's the problem. The that, gun? Yeah, but that's the problem here. If this kid would have went to school and used a bomb, we would not be here. You know why? Because deep down, fundamentally, I hate to say it, this goes back to guns. Oh my God! Well, I'm, uh, People I'm buy guns for their kids Terry, every I'm day. Stop inviting you to the every reunion day. each summer. If the, you keep the Johnson like reunion. Then I have to ask you though: <laughs> Well, you're talking, you're talking about kids in different demographics. In this case, you're talking about Ethan, and you're talking about the shooter, I should say. You're talking about the gun, you're talking about all these things. What if Terry's case here, look at a kid in an inner city neighborhood who's perhaps, or in, in no, hold on, in, or somewhere else, not being attended by the parents. Right. And that kid goes out and he's listening to violent music, playing violent video games, right. and goes out and does Absolutely. something. Should the parent then be said, hey, you knew he was playing violent video games, why didn't you suspect that he would go shoot up a school? I think the parents could be Investigated under the God. proper circumstances. Would they do it in this case? Would they arrest him in seventy-two yes. hours? Terry, Terry. that's You're, the problem. There was no investigation. Do you guys know? Do we all know? It's three out of four lawyers. Do we all know that there's at least two Michigan Court of Appeals that have upheld convictions of a parent who had a loaded gun at home and one kid here's killed another kid? Terry, but, you but here, know that. Yes, but here's now the problem. Now, that was inner city Detroit. But, oh, my God. But, no, no, no. But here's not, the problem. There's a legal issue here that, to me, 
it's not involuntary manslaughter. I believe if, if they were charged with child abuse, and as a result of the child abuse, they went into involuntary manslaughter, I would be fine with that. But flat out, on its own, just involuntary manslaughter. But Terry, I, to Ben's point, point, I will precedent. say this. Look, no one is defending, well, very few people are defending, except for her own attorneys, this mother, right? Correct. And in this case, you're talking about, clearly, the jury seeing neglect. Parents ignoring signs over and over again. Gross if a neglect, child, If way. a child writes down, I see demons, and then on top of that says, I need help, and then goes on to say, my parents ignored my plea for help, literally wrote those words down. Yes. Don't you think the mother then is responsible? But, but, but here, here's the issue. That, Terry, that is I the have. mother responsible based on what I just told you? I, I don't know because here's the problem. The kid wrote this down, mm -hmm. and I don't know how that evidence came in, but there was no cross-examination of it. What context was that put in? But it was shown to the parents like literally an hour well, that and a half before it, that the That is an appellate right? issue. There that, is a, Terry that, makes a point there. There is an issue is that whether or not the journal from the shooter should have be seen by the jury. What about the math assignment? My, my point is it's in the well, day of the shooter. That's, 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 that's the okay. math assignment was sent right. to her mom at work. And the Vin is suing schools, and I hope you get those guys. Thank you. But let me say this. Why didn't the school do something? If you listen to the testimony. Should the school have been charged? And he should have gone in that why backpack. Why didn't they charge this to school? That's a Karen you know McDowell why. question. I don't well, know why. I don't know why. There's no immunity on murder. By the way, do we know that two very fine criminal defense attorneys represented e uh, Hopkins and Ejek from the very beginning? They needed you know it. that? I did not know that. Yes, sir. So well, they're two of the it. biggest names so in how, our city. How messy does this get moving forward? So why forward? were they charged? Because apparently they didn't want to mess politics? with those guys. Politics? Ben, no, Charlie, politics? Charlie, Ben, Terry. How messy does this get for lawyers and for judges and for juries now that this precedence, say it if you like it or not, that the precedence has been set, how messy does this get for attorney, for so many people out there, including parents? I but think parents are the ones that I worry about. You know, listen, I am glad my kids are grown at this point and they can make their own decisions. I would not want a child today coming up with the internet and everything else that we have out here because again, if I'm not watching my kid 24-7 and something happens right now, I'm responsible. But this is different. Uh, that and is Terry, such to a Ben's gross... point, she was the last adult with the gun. The no, jury... there was no testimony but, to that. But listen, the jury foreperson who spoke right afterwards said that the, one of the most convincing pieces of evidence was when she said that she, she they knew that she was the last adult with the gun. Why is that so important? Don't you think that's important? Well, again, <laughs> if you go back and yeah, let's go to the journal, I believe the shooter said the following, I had to get the gun. I, you know, it was hidden. She said that she hid the gun. Was it not hidden well enough? We don't know. Again, without that testimony, that's why I have some issues legally. Do I think there's some culpability? Absolutely. So if the gun wasn't hidden, you'd convict the parents? If the gun was, no, I'm not saying that. Well, I don't well, know. How, much, how far do you go? How, that's a great question, Charlie. Well, there's the, the sets well, Charlie, the, what if, sets the best Charlie, part. what about the, the calls for help? What if the gun wasn't the issue so much here and it was more the, the kid got the gun from I somewhere think, else? Yes, what about I, the calls I for help? I think now, I called my daughter and I said, listen, you've got, you're raising a kid right now. You better watch what that kid is doing on the internet, on Facebook. Don't buy the kid a gun and hopefully they'll be all right in school. But you know what? That's just normal parenting, I think. Thank you. I think 
now right. we have a case there Guys, that says if you're not a parenting. good parent, you can be arrested. Amen. Remember Amen. that the parents, both of the parents, but we're now going to find out about James Crumley later, were following on the social media posts their son. So at our house, the little ones, right, we follow. I just right. sent a little text to my 13-year-old uh, daughter. That's right. Who will remain nameless, honey. <laughs> and what I say, inappropriate, because I'm watching. Mama's watching. He's a good parent. We got to watch. He's a good that, parent. That's what we need to do. That's what this case is about. No problem. The day of the shooting, when mom and dad show up at the school and then just leave. Yes. Was that one of the most damning pieces in it, this whole it, trial? It, it, it all was damning, Rupert. But wasn't yes, that one piece it was. that was? In conjunction with the stupidity, stupidity and, and what I believe to be the incredibly gross negligent acts of the school, those four things together, Ejac, Hopkins, mom and dad on that day, absolutely the, the, all the, of them. The school why they think, should have been charged originally. The school, the school didn't think the shooter was a risk the most, on that day. That's not Charlie, true. Charlie, Charlie, oh Charlie, they, 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 they said he was suicidal. A risk oh, to himself. They, in their, there's a protocol. You know what? No, you're, you're supposed no, to ask. You remember you what, the, guns, what the school guy said? Terry, go ahead. I believe it was Hopkins said, I didn't want him to be alone, but what did you do? You left him alone. You let him and walk out of that office And gave him the gun. And said, wow, this bag is and his, and his, uh -huh. response, his response of, I didn't have reasonable suspicion. Oh my God. So, Ben, what is, the, what is the, the parents that are talking to you, the, the Oxford families that are talking to you, what are they saying about the school? What needs to happen legally with the school? What do they want? What are they hoping for? What can't happen? Their day in court in front of a jury of their peers, just like the Seventh Amendment to the Michigan Constitution, the United States Constitution guarantees. Charlie, we, stop being such a hater. We remember, we remember <laughs> each and every one I of those. I want you to win, they need a better insurance each and, policy. Each and I every mean, one of those family members yes. of those Governmental immunity, is that what Thank it is? You. Change Charlie, that's, Charlie, Charlie, that's who we remember and we pause to remember today Thank because you. ultimately yes. those Thank kids you. are never coming home Absolutely. and these parents uh, are facing their day in court. One did and we'll see what happens as they move forward. We're going to be back in a moment with final thoughts and Charlie is taking Let It Rip on the road. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Jennifer Crumley. Did the jury get it right? Absolutely. That's a good thing. Parents need to take actions to their kids. If my daughter was having an issue, I would want to make sure that her, I addressed her issue in order to protect other people too, especially since it was such a serious issue. It tells the parents, keep everything on lockdown. Pay attention to your children. If they acting crazy, Pop them aside to here. You have four babies that passed away. Parents should be liable for something. Parents being charged because their kid murdered four people. I am a registered gun owner. I take care of my weapons, and my kids do not. There's no way under the sun school could call me and suggest that I take my child home. And I said, I have to go back to work. Put the guns away. You want a, a stick or something, that's no problem but we cannot bring those kids back. 
And that's the bottom line. You can't bring those children back. Terry Johnson, final thoughts for you. Hurts uh, my thoughts and prayers, and my heart goes out to the um, families of Oxford. And uh, no one, no matter what happens, what the verdict was or wasn't, no one wins. And this is a sad day for all of us here in the metro area. It certainly is. Well said. Ben? Obviously, I share that, Terry. Thank you. And uh, for me, it's all about governmental immunity. You guys know that. Protecting the guilty. We have got to stop protecting those who serve us and let them have a shield against being held responsible. The guy who did this wanted fame. He's not going to get it. We're going to call him the shooter. He walks out of the pages of history into a book of infamy. And the people we remember are these four students. We're talking about the people that were lost. These angels, Tate Muir, Madison Baldwin, Hannah St. Juliana, and Justin Schilling. The Let It Rip discussion continues online. Sound off on Facebook, X, formerly Twitter, or Fox2Detroit.com.